This is Public Hearing, an Auburn City News podcast brought to you by the Auburn Plainsman. I'm Elizabeth Hurley, community editor for the Plainsman. And I'm Evan Melans, assistant community editor for the Plainsman. How are things, Evan? They're pretty good. How about you? Good, thanks. I'm excited. We've been doing this for over a month now. Yeah. Yay. I feel like that's kind of exciting. Yeah, it's a pretty big uh, milestone for us. (laughs) (laughs) So we're at the end of a two-week stretch now with no council meeting since October has five Tuesdays, and we have another guest this week. Yes, we do. This week is another profile on a member of the council. Brett Smith serves as the Ward 4 City Council member. This is his first term on the council, and at 36 years old, he is the second youngest member of the council, and he's one of the youngest members in recent years. Smith is a native of Pleasant Grove, Alabama, just outside Birmingham. He attended Middle Tennessee State University, with an undergraduate degree in journalism and Tennessee State University for his master's. He also graduated from the University of Alabama School of Law. He then moved to Auburn and started his law practice with his wife, Haley Huff, an Auburn native. He has previously served as a member of the Green Space Advisory Board and a committee member for Auburn Young Professionals. In 2016, Smith ran for Alabama House District 79, Mike Hubbard's seat after Hubbard was convicted of ethics violations. In 2018, Smith ran for city council and won the Ward 4 seat after a runoff election. We sat down with Councilmember Smith to talk about his path to the council and his experience as a millennial holding public office. All right, so Councilmember Brett Smith, thanks for being on the show with us today. Man, I am honored. Thank you all for having me on. I, I just, I don't even remember, I think I had read on uh, Instagram or somewhere Somebody was like, you got to check out this new podcast and yeah. uh, turned it on and listened to a couple episodes and said, hey, I know Miss Hurley. I bet I can get on here and talk with them yeah. and uh, was just <laughs> excited because government, uh, federal state government can be exciting. Uh, when you get to the local level, it, it uh, can be a little bit dry at times. And, and I was I listened and I kept listening some more and I was like, they're making this exciting. This is making it fun. So I wanted to be a part of that. I always like to try to be a part of some fun things. Yeah, well, we are. Very honored that cool. you that you've listened to our show before, yeah. and um, so I just want to start back um, a few years back when you were in college. So you actually majored in journalism. That's right. That's right. I uh, in in college that was I wanted I had uh, a dream of being a news reporter. Uh, wanted to be on television at first, and and ended up my degree being in uh, newspaper print, and had this huge dream of breaking the news and and ultimately holding people accountable and. And doing all those things, great things that uh, you know, upholding the First Amendment and free expression. I'm a huge proponent of both of those. Um, and at the time I graduated, no one told me that the newspaper industry was going to basically die, um, or or I, not die. That's extreme. It, we haven't we haven't had its obituary yet, but um, change. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so there were really no jobs at the time. And so um, kind of went the the government route. Got a job out of college with a, a friend of mine uh, with the state of Tennessee and. And but still have a love for journalism. Um, it's so necessary, especially in our climate now, where I feel like whether you sit on that subject, rightfully or wrongfully, um, the First Amendment and newspaper is coming under attack. Um, and it's such an important job because you got to ferret out the truth. That's what's important. Yeah. Um, but as we know, you don't. Um, you're not a reporter now. I'm not. So I'm not. I'm doing it. I, I'm doing a little journalism. I'm doing. Uh, I'm on the uh, Auburn Opelika this morning on uh, News Talk WANI. Uh, that was a good little plug, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I'm co-hosting that. The Zach Blackerby uh, talked to me a, c- a couple months back about co-hosting and needed some 
some uh, entertainment, I guess, on there. Some you know some antics. So he brought me on, and that's a bit of journalism. But we're yeah. not we're not into the we're not we're just more reporting on the day. So it's not necessarily Got what it. you would see. It's, it's not the not the real in depth reporting. <laughs> well, so you're one of the youngest members on the council at 36 years old. Sure. What is it? What is it like to be one of the youngest members? I think it's um, in Stephen Dixon uh, Ward Five is is the youngest. I think at thirty three, um, it, it's an honor. Um, I had you know I in my uh, campaign I had a gentleman that was about I believe thirty years my senior um, that was running. He was uh, a faculty member here at the university, and and I think what you're I think you're seeing a trend across the country, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily on state politics wise. And this is a little bit different because our average age in, in Auburn is is about 23 years old, and that's because of the student population. If you look at non-student population, we've got about 30-something thousand people that live here. With the, with the university, we're about 60,000. Um, so it's not unusual. You know, if you look back in history, we've actually had a mayor that was still in college. Uh, we had a different form of government that way, that time, but um, he was smart, the, the gentleman that won, and he rallied all the students, and he won the election, and so he was mayor for a little while of the city of Auburn, and still in, under, in undergrad. Um I think what you're seeing across the country, though, is you've got a big population gap between boomers, um, and then you've got the younger group that has kind of a negative connotation as millennials, but population trends, you're going to see younger people getting involved in service because um, it's, it's, it's our government, too. It's our city as well, and, and so it's important to have that perspective. Um, I don't know that we've had – well, I, if you dig into issues, I think we are seeing kind of a generational difference. Um, I don't know if you could break that down by – uh, ages, but you have a lot of uh, older folks who remember they have, they look at Auburn from a historic perspective. They remember their time in undergrad. Um, they appreciate a lot of the things that made them feel comfortable that they love going to and enjoying. And then um, you have some, some younger folks who see it a, a bit different. Um, they haven't had the same time or experience. You have some folks that have no association with the university or, or Auburn that have come here because they just like the high quality of life. Um, that may be attracted to different things that may not have that same connection to um, to some of the historic districts and and history is important because it tells us how we got to where we are um, and it's what we it's it's what makes Auburn special um, and as you know we had the discussion the colors house and I listened to y'all's uh, podcast on that um, that was a very um, very important discussion to have and and that to me was sim- symbolic not just of the home but where are we today in Auburn? Where have we been and where are we going? Um, and so that is a very long, drawn-out answer to the question. <laughs> and I'm sorry. I, I, you know, in my profession, in my altar life as an attorney, I get paid by the word. So you'll, you, I'll just ramble on forever. So um, there's a lot to it. I'm, I'm just honored that the people of Ward 4 selected me, and it's been an awesome learning experience, and it's, it's a very neat experience. So let's – go back a little bit sure you moved to Auburn in 2014 that's right? right that's right so how have you seen the city change in those five years the uh, the city has changed growth wise since I mean in the last 10 years we've had 20 percent growth which is astronomical a lot. and it's not yeah it's not just and that's not just growth growth in the university an undergrad or graduate we have seen growth in the university but that is that is every category growing uh, retirees there are folks like we were talking about a second ago who have gone out into the world and have enjoyed their life and now decided that Auburn is where they want to retire. Um, I think we've got 16 or 17% increase in retirees. 
which for a city makes a big difference because now you've got to start offering services for retirees. We so we do have a good amount of services, but transportation, uh, walking trails or, or sidewalks, um, locations, facilities. There's all kinds of different things that go into making sure you're offering services for the, that age group. I think you have a lot of folks who are post-grad, not necessarily like in graduate school, but after graduation who are now wanting to have their job here. They want to work here. They want to live here. They want to put their kids in the school system here. And so you've got folks like me who've got, you know, I've got two young kids. Um, you're seeing growth there. Uh, Intercore, if you're looking at Intercore, of course, the big subject is we're taking down apartment buildings and putting up grandiose apartment buildings. And that's been a big subject. Um, if you look outside, kind of outside the downtown area, you're seeing a lot of neighborhood growth um, that are that are accommodating for those for those growth trends. Um, so it's just, and my wife's a, a better example because she's she was born here, went to went to under, you know high school, all grade school, and then college here as well. And so asking her what it's like over the last thirty years is completely different. But that's with any city, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right. One of the things you mentioned was the growth of student housing sure. and those grandiose apartment buildings you're right. talking about. Um, what's your view on that? Well, I have, um, you know, the mayor has a couple of meetings back had discussed a moratorium. I know that uh, the uh, Tuscaloosa mayor, Walt Maddox, has been pretty aggressive. They're kind of dealing with the same issue. And I think if you look across the country, um, that a lot of college college cities, cities with colleges, Clemson and even um, MTSU and different places. I, I mentioned MTSU because that's where I went to undergrad, um, is, are experiencing this where you've got property that's being torn down and then these larger buildings. And there's, there's different reasons for that, interest rates and construction loans and different things that are kind of, uh, when you kind of get in the weeds, you can kind of figure out why this is happening. The, the problem I see is we're going to run into an issue. One is we've got traditional housing. Like the new the new apartment complexes are are great. They're fantastic. I hope they have longevity. I hope they can last 30, 40 years. That's what I hope. You know, we've seen some issues with Evolve um, that were some of the, the facade is coming off some of the bricks. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily structurally related. I think that's more superficial related. It's still a problem. It's still a mm-hmm. bad image, right? Yeah. You've got a problem with these buildings, and within two years, or three years, it's already been sold to three, you know, th- the third, we're on the third owner, and now we have bricks falling off. And you're going, people are going, hey, I kind of said something about this maybe. You know, this may <laughs> be a possibility. Um, but to me, the problem is these facilities get into the market, kind of saturate the market, the rental market, which we're, that's a lot of our industry is rental property because of the university. Um, and the big buildings, the rent is, is could be up to 1200 a room, $1,100 a room. Mm-hmm. They have swimming pool or they have um, um, I can't, can't even think of the fancy name for the where you the endless where, what is it called the endless pool infinity pool infinity yeah. pool thank you <laughs> you got infinity pools and you got gyms and you have all these nice features which traditional housing is going to be uh, a bedroom probably maybe a couple bedrooms a kitchen and a, and a living area um, you pull right up to your apartment and there you are um, and so What's happening is it's. It, I, I believe we've just had a report. Have y'all seen the report? There's the the, the Danter report. Yes. Yeah, the yeah. Danter report, and then the the uh, the city just released uh, an accounting of all of our mm-hmm. rental properties. And I think it's safe to say we're overbuilt. Um, and what that does is it depresses uh, for these older. You know, parents come in and they say, "Well, you know, when you're comparing, kids go, well, I want the I want the place with the arcade and the pool hall and the 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 gym and all that stuff and and parents are going, well, I'd really like to pay like four or $500 a month, you know. But a lot of they're filling up these larger mm-hmm. properties. 
which happen, it, what happens is it depresses rent on the other properties. Well, the flip side of that is the folks with the older property, they say, well, I can hold out because I'll probably be able to sell my property at a premium when somebody wants to come in and develop it. Um, and so the problem is if you talk, start talking about moratoriums and, and stopping building, that's going to help. But what do you do from there? Because now you have depressed rent and you don't have that exit plan because now property values are down. Um, and so it's a very difficult problem. Um, it's a huge issue. Um, and so I, I think there's a solution. I think one of the possibilities you may see is some incentives. Uh, the, the Alabama legislature allows us through our, in, uh, through our uh, development authorities to provide incentives. Mm-hmm. And so you may see uh, some of these older properties, we, the, the city may incentivize them to then redevelop those, maybe into more traditional like family housing, like townhomes or, or single family homes, single family residential, and kind of bring some families back to the core. I don't think you're going to see, uh, you're not going to see a lot of family housing kind of to, to the, uh, over there where the Evolve is and that down Glen and down um, um, Magnolia. That's going to be, I think that's, that's going to be student. But for the most part, you may see some other places that redevelop. Um, it's definitely going to be our main issue going forward mm-hmm. um, in, in, in council. I mean, we have all kinds of different stuff going on. But that, and I think you'll hear about that tonight at the mayor's uh, state of the city. Yeah. Um, one thing is that you are a member of the short-term rentals task force. I know you may not be able to talk too much about that, but what are you thinking about that situation? I think we've gotten um, procedurally... I, and I can, I'd love talking this. I'd be happy yeah. to tell and, and I have become extremely educated on the subject. <laughs> we, we've had, and it's been, and, and this kind of ties into my philosophy on uh, being a council member, um, kind of like going back to the Kohler's home. Um, my idea is you put everything before the public. You know, you're going to take lumps on that stuff, and we have. I mean, you, when you put everything out there and you vet stuff, vet everything, because we, like the Kohler's home, um, and I'm pivoting here for a second, just to let you know. But it kind of, <laughs> but it leads into what you're asking. Mm-hmm. Um, the Kohler's home, we could have easily said, as council, look, that's that's a transaction between true, two private parties, and ultimately we have no say in that. They they want to sell their property, they can as long as you know they want to develop the property, they can. Um, there were some attempts in the past, as you had mentioned, uh, Ms. Hurley, on your one of the po- podcasts. There were some attempts to make that a preservation area that failed ultimately um, by the city. But much like um, the Kohler's home, we want the public to be able to get their opinion in because that was one of the, I think one of the complaints I heard campaigning and has repeatedly been said is we don't feel like we have a voice. If we don't agree exactly with everything that you're doing, we don't feel like we have a voice. Now, your voice, having a voice and agreeing with your opinion are two different things. I think we could all agree on that, that we're not always going to be. And that, again, goes back to my desire with the First Amendment and freedom of expression is I think more is good. Um, and it allows the opportunity for us to come up with a good position. And so with the short-term rentals, we've kind of taken that approach. I think we've had, we published, the, the city had, uh, had a, before I took office, before we went new council, had already had drafted an ordinance, kind of an idea, pretty conservative, um, not like liberal conservative, but like restri- more restrictive, I think would be mm-hmm. the better word, a more restrictive deal, because short-term rental, um, Airbnb and VRBO and all of those, uh, types of deals have become a big issue. I mean, we've been doing yeah. it forever. I mean, we have we have game day condos all over the city, and, mm-hmm. and game day condos are used for game days, um, and they're, they're short term rentals. We've been doing it for, for a long time, um, or the city ha- or the folks, property owners have. Um, and so, with that, 
we had an ordinance. We posted it, published it on site. Let's take commentary, took comments, had a hearing on that, took some insight, um, came back from that input. Planning department put together another ordinance that, based on what we heard, was less restrictive. Mm-hmm. Um, it almost became one of the, I wouldn't say the least restrictive in the, in the country, um, but it was pretty open um, to what, I mean, it covered good deal, covered good things, but it also allowed for people to use the property how they like within reason without against the law and had another hearing on that got kind of the pendulum swung the other way you know it's gonna the pendulum's always gonna kind of swing you know depending on who's fired up um and so we had a work session with the council you know we've got uh, me and uh, councilmember parsons the mayor sits on that task force um and then we've got three citizens uh from with different input um and we've we're now to the point where it's over it's been we had it's been now sent over to planning uh, to the Planning Commission. They're going to vet it. Um, it's going to be fireworks. I anticipate lots of fireworks. Mm-hmm. If you've seen the yard signs, people are, don't, don't hotel yeah. our neighborhood. A um, little, little disappointed in that group. Uh, I don't. I reached out to them when as soon as I saw the yard signs went up and, and sent them an email and said, hey, come to the table. Like, why don't you come to the table and let's talk about your policy. Let's find common ground. Never heard from them. That's fine. I mean, I, you know, they've got their own initiative and design or desire. Um, the... And so, you know, eventually it's going to get to get to city council. And then once it gets to city council, I mean, I, it's going to it's it's a it's a hot issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rightfully or wrongfully. I don't know if y'all have used Airbnb and VRBO. Um, I see both sides. Um, I will tell you from experience, I do not. Uh, I do not. I don't. We don't rent our house um, for Airbnb or VRBO. I've, I've actually have not ever used a short term rental. I've, we've gone to the hotel, but I can imagine having two young kids when we stay at a hotel, um, unless we're staying in a suite, if we, me and my wife want to hang out after they're asleep, we've got to go out into the hallway. You know, I mean, it's <laughs> kind of weird. I mean, it is. I mean, when you have kids, it's well, because they've got to sleep. And, and when you can rent like a house um, where they have bedrooms, and it's more like it's a good product. It's a good thing to have on the market. It's a different thing to have. Um, and I think it's helpful for um, tourism purposes. I think it's helpful for um, there's a neighborhood feel to it. Uh, but the flip side is people are concerned if you've got strangers in your neighborhood. There's a different element when you go stay at a hotel than when you're at your own home because it's usually going to be a, it's going to be more of a relaxed, fun time, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're usually coming for a football game, and so you're going to have friends over, and you're going to barbecue, and you're, you may have some alcohol. And, and then it's just, um, you know, it can pile up and cause a little bit of frustration for your neighbors if you abuse that. Um, so very, uh, very sensitive issue, and rightfully so. Yeah. It was a very long, long answer to your question. Hopefully, <laughs> I th- hopefully I checked off every every area in that so forth. I think you did. Yeah, good, yeah. good. That's good. Oh. Well, in that long answer, sure, uh, sure. you kind of mentioned um, talking with the public in a lot of different forms and ways. Right. Uh, you've used Facebook quite often to right. communicate with uh, different Auburn residents. Um, how has social media helped you as a council member? I think social media, uh, Facebook has been fantastic. Um, I, I do. That's. I have a I have a Twitter account. I don't. I've never really used Twitter. Um, I've I've tried and I just can't get into it. Uh, I have an Instagram account, which is more. I use it more on the private side with my taking. It's usually just pictures of my kids um, doing funny things, and um, or embarrassing pictures of my wife. That's you know. That's, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so the uh, Facebook has been very helpful, I think, because you get to say your. I don't hide behind things. I like to. Like with the Kohler's deal again, mm-hmm. just a hot button issue. I, I I released my statement on how my thoughts on it, you know, three weeks before we had a vote. Um, 
I think it's been very helpful uh, to have live video. We've been live streaming the council meetings, and and it's a way to reach out. Now, the problem here here's the problem with Facebook is I am in this world where I believe because I have Facebook, everyone has Facebook. Um, and I know that Facebook's not even really as, as popular as it was. It's more, it came along when I was in college, and now it's just kind of stuck with it uh, since then. Um, and not everyone's on it. And so I think, wow, when I'm spreading my message, everyone's hearing it because everyone's on Facebook, and everyone's so fired up about Ward 4 stuff. You know, they just love everything about Ward 4. Um, but a lot of times there's still mediums that have to be used, like podcast, radio shows, the news, being in the newspaper. People take their message you know, I, I hear all the time. I heard your, I heard your interview. I read your, I read uh, your quote in the in the um, OA news, and I'm like, well, I said that on Facebook like two weeks ago, and, and <laughs> you know, and, and it's just it's 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 just another arm or way to outreach to get to people, and and it's it's nice because I'll get messages from folks because um, I put myself I put my cell phone number out there. People can reach me by the, my cell phone if they wanted to my personal cell phone, um, and it's nice because I feel like I can really connect. You know, I got blasted for that. It was so funny. <laughs> I after the Colors deal, people are gonna they're venting their frustration about the vote, um, and so they're they're taking crack shots. They, some people don't even they've never met me. They've never met any you know the people on council. They're taking shots. That's fine. People get the ability to voice their opinion. So I message them. I say, hey, I you know I appreciate it. I don't think we've ever gotten to meet. Here's my cell phone number. Give me a call. We I at least can explain to you where I'm coming from. That way, you don't think I'm just you know. I'm not. I'm just not coming out of left field with how I vote or the decisions I come down. That there's been deliberation. Somebody posted on there. Why don't you just put your statement out instead of why would we need to call you to hear how you stand, how, what you stand on? And I was like, what? I said I have, I, and I've I've linked you know my three here are my three statements that I had put up there. You can read. I've not. I've been transparent about my position. I just feel like it's more personal. You can call me. You can chew me out. Yeah. Hey, that's fine. You know that's that's completely legit. That's part of the process. Um, but. It's a just social media is a great outlet to one to voice our, our opinion. The downside to it is the echo chamber of, well, confirmation bias is bad. Whereas we have a certain belief of something and we're seeking out information to confirm that instead of seeking out truth, we're seeking out, I don't like something, so I'm going to find everyone that doesn't like it. And that must be true because I found a bunch of people that don't like it. Um, and it, it kind of echoes bad stuff. And you got to get in there and kind of correct things where you're like, well, that's not. Not 100% correct, and, you know, mm-hmm. um, why people feel a certain way. But it's a great it's a great outreach tool, uh, tool I believe, in my opinion. So we're going to pivot again. Oh, I love um, it. Let's do it. <laughs> Segway. Segway. It's kind of related. Okay. So you, obviously, you're a council member. Right. You ran in 2018. So why did you decide to run? I, because I don't, I've, I've always felt that if you want to have an opinion in something, you can't sit on the sideline. Um, again, going back to kind of representing a certain age group, I'm not, I'm not in college. I'm not retired. You know, a lot of the times you see your elected leaders, they're, they're, uh, getting older. They've got gray hair. I'm getting, I have gray hair. I'm not saying anything about that, but they're just in a position where they're most of the time they're retired or they're not in the, they're not in the meat of what they're trying to do. Their kids aren't in school at the time. Um, they're not trying to have a successful small business. Um, you know, they're not concern well everybody's concerned about safety but you know there's there's certain elements that are specific to young families we want to have a, a dynamite school system we want to have a healthy economy a lot of a lot of issues of people who get in as they get older into politics they may get into a position where it's more about convenience issues 
traffic is a concern, overpopulation, um, or, or too extreme growth. And those are important. But it's also important that we have a robust, that we have a good, that, that our small business community is growing, um, that it's healthy, um, that our school system is well, that we have good safety, uh, that uh, whereas maybe some folks, uh, older folks may not have such a desire for our parks and rec system um, that to support our parks and rec system. I, I have a huge desire for that because of how important it is for me to get out with my kids and go play, take our pets to the park, you know, go out and have fun instead of sitting in front of a television. Um, so that's why... I, I mean, that's why I have a, a ultimate desire um, to do it. I mean, it's not, it's definitely not about getting rich um, or getting, getting a big paycheck from the city, you know, but, <laughs> but it, it's, it's an incredible honor. Um, you know, one of the things about politics is that we focus daily on what the president is doing, uh, what Congress is doing, what the, what, or even our, our governor in the state of Alabama. But what I found fascinating is on the local level, look at turnout, like voter-wise. We had uh, maybe 10% of the population vote for city council. But I've had the opportunity when people say, my street light is out, I say, look, I'll call, I know who to call, and we get that fixed, you know, or I've got a pothole, or the sidewalk, like a, a prime example is we put a brand new sidewalk on Antelou. It's a beautiful sidewalk. I've never seen such a beautiful sidewalk <laughs> as the Antelou sidewalk. Um, this is the stuff we talk about, yeah. on, on, but it's important. Um, but they, but they had laid the concrete a little bad, and cars pe- people coming out of their neighborhood were dragging their cars. Called the city manager, got a complaint. Two people called me, got a complaint, called the city manager. City manager had the uh, contractor out there, and they fixed it. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like that, that's not me. I'm not, I'm not like tooting my horn. I'm just saying any council member can do that. Um, you're very accessible when you're on council because you're going to see those people at the grocery store, um, and you're going to see people are going to want to talk, talk to you about city government when you're out eating lunch with your family, which is great. That's fine. That's why you. Have, I think there's a higher level of accountability. Um, and as they say, all politics are local, and it's true. I mean, we, we can make a difference in our city. Yeah. The national government or the state government certainly isn't going to come fix well, the yeah, potholes that's on right. street. I mean, there are, it, it, tri- it trickles down, and it makes good, good, it makes good TV. It makes good drama. It, there's a lot of money. We're not spending millions of dollars on our campaign, um, our campaigns and what we're doing. But ultimately, you're right. I mean, we're the ones passing the budget. We're the ones watching over the school system. And, and we're the ones that are going to be accountable when we make silly mistakes or say s- silly things, you know? Yeah. So during your city council campaign, part of your campaign was every door in four. Man, love it. Hashtag every door in four, right? <laughs> so talk to us a little bit about what you learned most from that. What I learned most is I was not going to be outworked um, and running because when and I still hold that philosophy and and being on council is, um, I'm going to work hard. I'm not. You're not always going to agree with my position, but at the end of the day, I want you to know that I'm working for you. And one of the biggest things is, I understand. Like, there's like this the the greater good. Like, there's there's di- everyone. Ha- there's different stakeholders, and like any there and, and it, with any policy, there's already going to be disagreement built into that policy because. You're never going to have, I mean, we can find subjects that 100% agree on. Like, let's, I don't think there's going to be a lot of people that are like, let's have crappy schools. Like, you know what I want? I want a really bad school. Yeah. I want my kids to not have a good future. Like, I'm pretty sure we're good on that. Um, we want a healthy uh, Auburn University. Like, we want to support our students that go to Auburn University because, because one, y'all are the future. Y'all are literally the future, and your kids are the future, and, like, y'all are talking generational changes. You do well in college. You're probably going to make your kids go to college. Their kid, you know, we're talking generation. That's a that's a net positive. Two, 
you know, 50% of our folks that live in our city are employed. I mean, there's, uh, you know, our working force, there's, there's several people that are employed. So a healthy university is good for our city. Um, and so, you know, that, that, um, and now I've completely forgotten the question. I just went on a rant. Tell me the question again. What did you learn from oh. your every door in four? <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, that. yeah, golly, I just, you see, I got lost in my own thought, just rambling. Um, the, in that there are just one, one is I wanted to everyone in the, the ward to know, cause my, my opponent, there was 30% of people, 30%, 30% of people in the ward voted for my opponent. And just because I get elected doesn't mean well, you're 30%, you know, three out of 10 people that you don't get a voice. I, I'm not even going to listen to what you have to say because you didn't vote for me. That's not how it works. Representation means representative of everybody. And it's not only about our ward, too. We, 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 do, we are representatives for our ward, but it's also for the, for the city as a whole. That was the point of where I was getting at with all the university talk and all that, <laughs> is that we have, to do, we have to think about what's for the greater good. And that becomes problematic. Like we just had a zoning issue that y'all probably will cover about rezoning uh, property over uh, on Cox Road. And the neighbors said, "We don't want that to. We don't want that to change because we're we got homes here, and this is going to be changed to a commercial type zoning." Um, and then, so you kind of have to look at it from both sides. What's what is important when you make your vote? Is it the neighbors? Is it the future? That future use? You got to kind of weigh things out, and that's that's one of the biggest issues I've taken um, is being representative of all the people in my ward. It's not. It's it's a very idealistic way to look at it because you're not going to ever make everyone happy. So where can we find common ground? And I think where that is, is, um, you have a voice, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'm accessible for you to, to, to cuss me or to sing my praises. I mean, I'm always going to be accessible and not turn away just because we don't agree. If the people that are reaching out to you feel differently than how you feel, mm-hmm. what is your philosophy for voting on that issue? I have been lucky in all the issues that I have. I don't think I've reached a point where I have voted against a, a majority of the the support. I haven't had an issue yet where I've where I've where it's been like I've taken a position in contra to the majority of the people. Now, if you talk to the people who voiced opposition, they probably feel that they are the majority position. So that's hard. That would be hard to gauge that. Um, truthfully, I think I've balanced out. I have voted in positions I didn't necessarily agree with, but the people, but it made sense. Like, the, and one of the biggest things for me is to take my ego out. Like, there's there has been a position where, um, where I thought, again, talking about the greater good and what could be potentially good, and I thought, this is how we should vote. This is how we should vote. But I heard from um, all the stakeholders, and the stakeholders said, oh, we don't support this. And I and I took a step back and thought about it and said, well, that's just my ego. That's my ego getting in the middle of it. That's that if if everyone has a position, all the parties, whether who people may be on opposition or whatnot, if they feel a certain way and they're all in agreement and I don't, why am I not? You know. And so that's where I kind of you got to check your ego at the door as the me as a politician. Um, explain myself maybe why I feel different, but ultimately, and I and I voted I voted in their support as to their position because. It's not me. It's not about me. It's just me being a voice and me being a, a canvas that my, my folks can can. I don't know where that analogy or simile was going, but <laughs> they can paint on. I guess is where I was going with that. So. Yeah. So, to end this off, you're a council member um, and a parent of young children. Sure. What do you hope for the future of Auburn? 
I hope that we continue to meet the accolades that we're doing. I hope that we have uh, we are respectful of our history. I hope that we continue to be a very thriving small town. I hope that we're a successful small town where if the two of y'all decide that we, I want to stay in Auburn for the rest of my life, that this is a place that's healthy. I hope that our school system continues to thrive. I hope that we continue to make it better for the next generation. If it doesn't, I hope that we are smart enough to realize the mistakes we've made. And that's once you get if some people again when your ego gets involved some people get overextended and they just press it full speed because we're not I'm not going back on what I'm saying I hope that we have the ability to be humble enough to realize this is where we need to change and that we listen and we're responsive so I think that about does it for us but I do have one more for you yeah what you got what are your plans for uh, 2022 2022 I will ask my wife or I guess we're assuming um, or we're talking about City, the re-election for the city, is that right? Yes. yes. Okay. Or, or no, I'm sure next... she's probably got some some other plans. Yeah, yeah. I think we have probably a few plans in between now and then. But um, <laughs> I, if I, I, I love what I'm doing from a personal side. I love doing it. Um, it's 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 very exciting. It's very fun. I like to be. Um, I like the position I'm in. Um, if you know, I mean, ultimately, if if there's a um, if there's a need. If the city, if the if the folks that live in my ward, the awesome people in my ward, want me to stay there, I'd be happy to do it. I'll, I'll tell you, I can commit to this. I'm a term limits guy. Um, if I were to be reelected, that would be it. I'm not. Um, I'm not in any position I have in public service. Um, I don't think it's. I don't think it's healthy. As we're changing, as we're generational change, I don't think it's healthy to have politicians in same positions multiple terms. That's just me personally. So, um, so that would leave the door open for me to run again. Um, in the future, but that would be the end for city council or in, as a council member, um, just because I just think that's important. It's something personal to me, and, and I think it would be time for someone else to step up to the plate after that. So that doesn't answer your question at all. That was kind of uh, – I kind of did a little bit, but we'll see. We'll yeah. see what happens. I got I got a couple I got a couple years before we got to make that decision. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Mr. Smith. Well, I, and thank you, and I, I want to thank both of you all. Um, again, like we were talking about at the very beginning – City government can be the city government can be kind of dry, um, but it's important. You want to get your you want to get folks involved, um, and and that's across the board because the only way we're going to make a change and difference um, is to have people to have involvement. Um, and so you, you again, you're, this university is harvesting the future leaders, and so y'all are doing y'all are making what can be mundane the non mundane the fun. So I, I really appreciate y'all covering city government. Um, I, I appreciate the coverage that the Plainsman's got. It's always always fair. One of the hardest interviews I had before was with your former editor, um, uh, Chip Brownlee. And he was, because a lot of folks here in a small town, yeah, a lot of your interviews are going to be simple. Hey, why are you doing this? What do you think about it? Tell me more about it. Um, you know, very light. Um, mm-hmm. And and Chip uh, was very much into policy, you know, asking specific yeah. policies, which is good. I think that's important. That's why I think there, that's why the Plainsman's important because you kind of drill into issues that maybe maybe our local media doesn't cover. So you're very, you're doing a great job. It. Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad you like the podcast. Too. Sure. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank you. Well, that's about it for today. Uh, we hope all of our listeners learned more about Councilmember Brett Smith and your local government. Yeah, I think it's really cool to uh, hear from someone who's a little bit closer to our age and hear yeah. from their experiences, you know? 
Mm-hmm. And see where, I mean, we could be in 15 years. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to next week's episode where we'll talk more about your local government. We'd like to thank Weagle and Grayson Moyer for allowing us to borrow their studio. You can find our podcast and other Plainsman podcasts on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. I'm Elizabeth Hurley. And I'm Evan Meelans. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to the Auburn Plainsman's network of podcasts. Join us next week for the next episode of Public Hearings.